0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the second episode of the Smart Health Podcast. I am your host Kevin Keys. Last episode, we sat down with Doctor. Said Raza, and we talked about uh, heart health. It's a super informative, informative episode. Um, I highly recommend you go and download it if you have some interest in that. I promise you, it will not disappoint. If you like the show so far, please don't forget to hit subscribe. We have a lot of other shows coming up. Um, But for this episode today, we are sitting down with our very own endovascular neurosurgeon, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. And we're going to talk about stroke awareness, signs, symptoms, uh, what to do if if you think you're having one or if you think someone else is having one. Um... Dr. Johnson, I feel like for this intro, I should do a bunch of those voice warm-ups that Ron Burgundy does. (laughs) You know, the arsonist has oddly shaped feet or ow now brown cow. This is quite the intro, so um, I'm not sure if it's harder to read the intro or to do brain surgery. (laughs) Maybe
1: just read parts of it.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll do my best. So, All right. Dr. Jeremiah Johnson is a board-certified neurosurgeon who is dual fellowship trained in cerebrovascular microsurgery and endovascular neurosurgery. This specialized training gives him the rare ability to diagnose and repair blood vessel disorders of the brain, neck, and spine from inside or outside the vessel, depending on the best strategy for the individual patient. In addition... He has expertise in microsurgery for brain tumors and other disorders. Dr. Johnson completed his residency in neurological surgery, as well as a two-year neuroendovascular fellowship at the University of Miami, followed by Open Cerebrovascular Microsurgery Fellowship at Stanford University. He leads the Comprehensive Stroke Center here at CHI St. Luke's Health, the Woodlands Hospital, more on that later, where he practices cranial, endovascular, and cerebrovascular neurosurgery. Dr. Johnson and his team are committed to providing specialized, compassionate, patient-centered care of the highest quality. Dr. Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Please don't ever make me read that again. <laughs> that introduction is absolutely astounding.
1: My pleasure, Kevin. Thank you for, uh, for
0: persevering through, the, through the, long, <laughs> the long text there. Um, so let's go ahead and, and kind of get started. Um, I guess right away, what, what is the stroke? Physiologically, what is going on? What might be the causation? Right. So there's three
1: broad categories of stroke that people should know about. Um, The term stroke is used interchangeably. So there's three main types. The most common type that people think of when they're having a stroke is the ischemic stroke. So it's typically a blockage in a blood vessel that's leading to the brain or is in the brain. The blood uh, flow is not getting downstream to supply the brain with nutrients and oxygen, and so that brain doesn't work well and eventually can die if the blood vessel is not reopened. That's an ischemic stroke. There's a hemorrhagic stroke, which is when one of the blood vessels deep in the brain ruptures uh, and causes a big blood clot, kind of like a ball in the middle of the brain, Um, and that's a hemorrhagic stroke, also a type of stroke. The third and a little bit more rare type of stroke is a uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage, which is uh, blood in the fluid that the brain floats around in. We all have cerebrospinal fluid around our brain and in the center of it. And when um, the bleeding happens into this fluid, it's called a subarachnoid hemorrhage. So that's a third and a little more rare kind of stroke, very commonly associated with brain aneurysms, which is a deadly, you know, simply blister on their major vessels in your brain. Um, so that's the, all three can theoretically be called a stroke, but what most people talk about when they're call, talking about having a
0: stroke is an ischemic stroke. Uh, and there's are like roughly 90% of strokes. Okay. Um, so one of the things with this podcast that I'd like is to try to make sure that whatever our topic it is, is, is making sure that the listener understands why it may be important to them. So why is stroke awareness important to our listeners? Great question. So the, the reason
1: this is important is because it's a very common problem. Like globally, it's a top three killer. In the United States, it's the third cause of uh, death behind cardiovascular disease uh, is number one. Uh, the It is also a f- the number one cause of uh, disability. Uh, so people that survive strokes but have disability that is permanent is the number one cause of that. Um, so it's so it's so common, what we call medicine prevalent, um, that everybody should know the signs and symptoms, particularly because now, in the past 20 years, we've developed pretty good tools to treat stroke back in the early 90s is there, you know as recently as the early 90s there wasn't really much in the way of treatments you knew you're you're having a stroke or you were not weren't and you're gonna you know recover or not based on where the stroke was and how large it was um, but now we actually have medications that um, we can give that can dissolve clots as long as you get there quickly before the brain damage is done, and even a newer development has been uh, what I do, which is even going inside the blood vessels and opening up the vessels uh, with with tubes and wires and tools uh, to physically reopen large blocked vessels that the clot busting drugs can't really can't really help.
0: How recent is some of that technology? Or so- like guess procedure.
1: Yeah. So the procedural thing that I do, uh, we've been working on this, developing the different tools to make it effective for some time, maybe 20 years. But, uh, the trials, which the newest type of devices in the trials, which proved its benefit, um, and it is a large benefit, um, in certain people, um, was in 2015. So not too long ago. Yeah. Right that's on. very
0: recent. That's great. Okay, so um, who might be susceptible to a stroke or, or maybe some general demographics if there's someone who may be at more at risk?
1: Yeah, the great question. So the typically, the chances you have a stroke increase with age, and there's several reasons for that. Some of the things that cause stroke, like heart disease, heart flutters, and different heart abnormalities increase as you age. Also, things like atherosclerotic disease, the same stuff that causes heart attacks, can build up in your neck or your brain vessels and can cause, you know, cause strokes uh, similar to the way heart attacks are caused. Um, And all those things build up with age. But that said, there are people that are very young that have strokes. It's more rare, um, but you have 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds, and even younger people that can have strokes as well. So that's why it's important for everyone to know about
0: it. Okay. Um, of course uh, we talked about, you know, we would bring up signs and symptoms. So what are some signs and symptoms for, for people to know about?
1: Right. So there's a very, uh, I'm not sure if it's easy to remember, but hopefully it's easy to remember, uh, acronym called fast, which is what everyone teaches, uh, in people in the public to remember when it comes to stroke. So, um, how do you recognize the signs and symptoms of stroke? So F is for face. So if someone's face is drooping, Um, and and they look like one side of their face isn't moving when they smile, um, then that's a significant sign. It's called facial droop. Um, A is for uh, weakness of the arm. So similar to the face, uh, it's a motor weakness that oftentimes can be a sign of a stroke. It's uh, arm weakness or or numbness. Arm numbness is also a sign that you should keep in mind. Uh, S is speech. So either you, you can't speak, you're awake, and you look like you're trying to speak, and you can't or when you speak, it's heavily slurred. And if these things are in combination, facial droop or numbness, arm weakness or numbness and speech disturbance, this be- it starts to become very apparent that you're having a stroke. Uh, and then T, so that's F A, F for face, A for arm, S for speech, and then T is for time. So the, the important thing about understanding the symptoms and calling for help quickly is that the treatments that we have and how good they are and how well they work are very time dependent. So as soon as you think that you may be having the symptoms, it's important to call 911 or come to, the, to an emergency room to be evaluated quickly because it, we only have a few hours after the symptoms start to do some of these procedures.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's great. It's one of the things, I mean, whenever I'm kind of looking at uh, topics and, and about to sit down with a doctor, I kind of think, what would the public do? Um, they're going to go to Google, right? Or right. Facebook, their social media. Um, so, and I kind of looked too. And, and one of the things that was stood out to me is uh, any type of prevention for stroke ahead of time, you know, you can, there's a lot of, things you can do. But if you think you're having one, you get to the hospital, um, it's very time sensitive. Um, so, um, I guess kind of going along with that is, is what can people expect actually when they, when they get to the hospital?
1: Right. So when they get to the hospital, they're going to have a, a doctor evaluate them, typically an ER doctor. Also, sometimes a neurologist will be there immediately to evaluate you. A neurologist is a doctor that's skilled in neuro topics, including stroke. Um, they often will get blood work and a CT scan of the brain. That's really important to understand whether there's a bleed or not. Uh, You obviously don't want to give someone a clot-busting drug if they've had a bleed because that could subsequently cause a bleed to worsen. Right. Uh, If they turn out they're a candidate, there's many reasons why you may or may not be able to get the clot-busting drug, but uh, the doctors will go through that. And if they decide that you would be a good candidate to give a clot-busting drug, then you get it and they monitor your vital signs and how you're doing after that. Hopefully, that dissolves the problem. If they're concerned about one of the large vessels in the brain being blocked, something called a large vessel occlusion, um, which is the kind of procedures that I I help to treat, um, then you often get a CTA, which is you just put dye through the IV when you get the CT scan, and it can see the vessels and understand if the large one is blocked or not. If that's the case, then we would immediately take you to a procedure suite, very similar to a heart catheterization, but in the brain. We usually puncture through the leg, but also can do through the arm, go up to the brain vessel that's blocked, and we have different tools to try and essentially reopen that blockage, restore blood flow to the brain. We only do that for these really large vessels that are blocked, um, and uh, but it can be very effective. You can send someone home essentially normal who would have been like, dead or nursing home patient, not able to right. move half their body, not able to speak, these types right. of things.
0: So another thing that actually I was kind of mentioning to to one of my friends that I was going to be speaking with you and uh, how how excited I was to do that. And one of the things they brought up was, well, how could you even tell the difference between something like a stroke and maybe Bell's palsy.
1: Mm. So Bell's palsy is a, is a diagnosis. uh, Well, kind of what we say of exclusion. So it's essentially facial droop and you can have some speech issues with it. Um, But, but the whole side of your face is weak and sagging. And that is one of the signs of the stroke. Um, But the way we diagnose Bell's palsy is we first have to make sure you're not having a stroke. So you go in for the CT, you probably end up with getting an MRI, which is even more uh, sensitive, what we call sensitive, a better resolution picture of the brain to make sure you haven't had a stroke. And if all the other things are ruled out and it makes sense that you have this weakness and there's typically not numbness, for example, um, then you can say that's probably a Bell's palsy, but we always have to kind of assume the worst that it could be a stroke during that workup. Uh, and, and, and and often people are very skilled at getting the history and these things and have a pretty good idea. It's that beforehand, um, just when you walk in the door, but, but there's ways to know.
0: Um I actually kind of wanted to quickly jump back to you know, the that fast acronym you were talking about the facial drooping the arm weakness the speech difficulty and then the time sensitivity do I guess really the first one's the the fast part of fast um do all three need to happen or if any of those are happening go to the doctor Yeah if any of okay. those are
1: happening you should be you should be concerned and go okay. go, go to an, an emergency room Got The it. more of them are happening the higher the chance that there probably is a stroke going on. Got
0: it. Okay. Um, All right. So what are some of the biggest risk factors for someone who would be, I guess, susceptible to a stroke or what are some risk factors for for having one?
1: Yeah. So we talked about a little bit about age um, Mm -hmm. that, that you can't alter, right? (laughs) You are, you are, you (laughs) are your age, but the other things are very important are cardiovascular health. So things like, you know, uh, exercise, uh, you know, um, good diet, keeping your cholesterol and your hypertension under control are extremely important. All those things kind of usually go along with doing a lot of exercise. People that are, you know, in fit and in shape and exercise a lot, typically don't have bad heart disease and, and these other comorbidities, diabetes. But if you do have hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, working to keep those in good ranges with your doctor, starting an exercise and diet routine to minimize those, getting as good as health as you can. Um, all of those things are, are, are very important. And then if you have, things like atrial fibrillation or, or other heart conditions, keeping that very, very carefully under the control of a good cardiologist would be a very important factor.
0: So one of the things that I I work with when I'm working with my clients is, you know, I have a lot of them will say, I need to work on weight loss or I need to work on exercise or both or all of them. And they kind of get a little overwhelmed with this huge approach of, I need to do all of this at once. And then it, then they get kind of caught up in that. So, uh, one of the questions I usually will ask is, of, of those the biggest risk factors, which one do you think has the biggest impact from a causation standpoint? And I say that because if I had a client who's looking to you know, prevent this or, or improve their health, um, which one do you think they should probably focus on the most so they don't get overwhelmed with that whole big package?
1: Yeah. I think number one would be high blood pressure. Okay. Yeah. Number number two, probably diabetes. And number three is the heart health, uh, you know, making sure you have a heart doctor if you have known heart disease. Yeah. Great.
0: Dr. Johnson, my last question for you is, um, and I'm, I'm sure many people are wondering, <laughs> did your parents name you after the 1972 Robert Redford movie, Jeremiah Johnson?
1: That's a very good question. It's, <laughs> it's a pretty common comment that I get that oh, people love the movie. Sure, um, and uh, and oftentimes it's their favorite movie. <laughs> the I guess what I'll say is that I was born after the movie came out. Okay. So it, uh, if anybody wants to figure out how, how <laughs> old I am, you can, you know, or how young I am, <laughs> now you know. In uh, general generalities, uh, so my parents knew about the movie, but they 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 very much like the biblical character uh, Jeremiah so right. uh, they must have known of course that Jeremiah Johnson was sure a from the movie because it had been out right um, but they, they they say it wasn't related to being named after the character though.
0: well I'm personally a fan of it my dad showed it to me at a young age and so by default I am a fan of your name <laughs> um, have you seen the movie yourself oh definitely even <laughs> patients give me copies of it yeah DVD <laughs> as I've grown up
1: yeah they, I mean I always tell them it's better to be named after a good movie that everyone likes rather than a bad movie that's right? true like maybe at least I'm not Ferris Bueller or right you know one of these guys guys. Definitely.
0: I was talking with my brother um, about it and apparently he saw an article. Uh, surely you've seen either the meme or the gif of him kind of nodding. Yes, to, uh, yes, it's probably yes, his yes. wife or, or whoever it is yeah. in the movie. And apparently there's a whole generation of younger people who actually think that that is Zach Galifianakis. So <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. My sister,
1: who's like, seven, eight years younger than me, said that the a lot of the guys she knew in college uh, you know, which is had a, had an obsession with the movie and would have like, uh, like, I don't know, <laughs> meetings about it or something along sure. those lines. Uh, it's pretty crazy.
0: Well, hopefully you've embraced your name. Um, it's certainly legendary, just like the work you're doing here. And, and that being said, I kind of want to go into some of the awards that uh, CHI St. Luke's has. So uh, here at our Woodlands um, campus, we are the only DNV-certified comprehensive stroke center in North Houston. Uh, we were awarded the 2016 Get With the Guidelines Gold Plus Achievement and Target Stroke Honor Roll Award for the Amer- from the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association. Can you kind of go in and discuss how prestigious these awards are, uh, how your team um, that you're a part of has established such a renowned status?
1: The Comprehensive Stroke Center designation is an important one. Uh, We have it at CHI St. Luke's Health in the Woodlands. It means that you have a collection of experts on stroke and stroke-related problems that can essentially take care of anything that comes in the door that someone has a stroke. Ruptured aneurysm, like we talked about, big bleeds in the head, they can go have neurosurgery. Um, You can clip an aneurysm, you can put coils in an aneurysm, these types of things that are that are relatively rare skill sets to have. So what's important about that is when you think you may be having one of these really severe problems, you don't necessarily want to go to your common hospital for that treatment because they may not have the teams there to take care of it. Um, and essentially what that designation says is we've gone through a rigorous review process that we have all those things in place 24-7. So if a patient is, thinks they're having a stroke or have had a bleed in the brain or these types of things, um, then then we have everything that we could need here, including cardiologists with high levels of care, uh, brain, uh, you know, neurosurgeons, neurologists, and ICU doctors. So that's essentially why that's so important. The awards on top of that, the gold plus awards means that we've, you know, we're excellent at, at what we do. That means that someone's gone through and said, you meet a lot of really important criteria for your metrics, your times, your you know, outcomes, and these types of things. Um, and, that, and that your center is doing really, really well. Well, that
0: says a lot about you and your team, so good job.
1: And and this process goes all the way through the rehab center, the physical therapy. I mean, it's it's a completely comprehensive uh, designation. That's awesome.
0: So if you want to learn more about that, uh, you can go to org forward slash locations, and there you can click on the Comprehensive Stroke Center at the Woodlands Hospital, Uh, and I'll also link the webpage in the description of the episode as well. Uh, If you'd like to kind of virtually meet Dr. Johnson and watch him talk more about what he does how passionate he is i've also gonna i'm gonna link a youtube video down there as well um you
1: can always google me but <laughs> don't just google jeremiah johnson <laughs>
0: you'll,
1: you'll get pictures of robert redford
0: <laughs> or d- zach alfanakis or maybe <laughs> zach but uh you,
1: you probably can google jeremiah johnson md or jeremiah johnson neurosurgeon and, and, and you'll see me
0: yeah uh i saw you had a pretty active twitter account um, twitter
1: um what else linkedin facebook instagram instagram
0: yeah, yeah. I saw some of your tweets are really interesting. Some of the videos you have on there are really really, great.
1: I I try and keep up uh, interesting content for people to take a look at.
0: That's great. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Johnson. Uh, Is there anything else you want to say?
1: No, I would say you have a good name, too. We both have a litter (laughs) of names. Kevin Keyes. Yes. And Jeremiah Johnson. (laughs) KKJJ. There you go. So
0: actually, um, I'll I'll quickly say this. Um, If my first name was Don, I'd be Don Keyes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so there I got, you go. Yeah. So right, the, the black eyed keys. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh but thank you for listening everybody. Uh don't forget to hit subscribe. Uh, there will be more episodes to come. I'm um, hopeful to maybe get an orthopedic surgeon next episode so stay tuned. Um all right. Thanks. Have a good one.